In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Just open your mouth and bless the name of the Lord because indeed the Lord has heard you as you made that request. He's sending his word to you. You will hear that word that is for you. You will hear that word that is for you. Father, we bless your name. We thank you, Lord, for what you will do today amongst your people. Blessed be the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. amen. All right, can we just quickly take our declaration of understanding, which we do when we want to start studying. And um, if you don't know it by heart, just quickly wave your hand, get a copy of our mag. You can go home with it and... If you have one already, share this one with somebody else, all right? Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. As a result of this, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. What is entering my heart? It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. This evening, God, we accept your thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. And he will give you cause to give him thanks all the time. In the name of Jesus Christ. Remember, what do you pay if you want to get something from God? Attention. It's not money. It's not an offering. The literal word in Hebrew, when it says, if you shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, literal Hebrew says, if you shall listen, listening. Attention is a key. If you pay attention, you will have understanding. If you pay attention, the Spirit of God will write over those words and bring in the power of God into your life. If you pay attention, Diseases will leave your body. If you pay attention, he said, my son, attend to my words. His attention. Incline your ears to my sayings. His attention. And that's why I say anytime the word is coming forth like this, please pay attention. Put off your phone. I'm expecting a call. Is the reason why the blessing in that word will not listen. It's about attitude. God checks what you value. He checks the value you place on his things. If you value it, he will know. For example, somebody says, okay, I will see you. I will be at Bible study to give you, you know, okay, I will give you the money there. And you tell the person to come in to interrupt when you are praying, you know, whether he comes or not, whether he interrupts or not, you've already signed that this, look, my value, this, my sense of value for what I want to do is not very high. So I always tell people, tell them that 5 o'clock till 7.30, I won't be available. If you want to see me at Bible study, just know that I will see you at 7.30. Wait, don't send a signal that should come out. It's disrespect. Don't. People will give appointments. I'll be in church when you come send me a note. You are sitting down. Somebody's waiting for you outside. Message is going on. You will now get up. Go out. They will now write you a check. You now collect. Say thank you. Go back. That is, God should wait for me while I do my business. It's simple disrespect. Many of us don't realize it. There's a story I used to illustrate it that Ken Higgins said something. That once the Lord was speaking to him. A clear vision. He could see the Lord speaking to him. Then suddenly, a spirit jumped in between them and began to make noise. Raised the smoke, that is like a smoke screen, and was making funny noises. 
Just yak, 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 yak. That kind of noise. So he couldn't hear. Now, I'm not talking about deliverance and demonology now. What I'm just talking about is what happened as a result of that interruption. He said the Lord kept on talking as if he was hearing. He was like, Lord, can't you say I'm not getting what you are saying? God said, what's going to be my problem? Now, you know, I say, why is the Lord doing that? I'll tell you. Because something inside his heart. He didn't say that. I'm saying this out of understanding. Whatever caused that interruption was inside Kenegin's heart. So the Lord kept on talking, even though he was not listening. And he said, I think more than 20 years after that experience, he still had not gotten that thing that the Lord was trying to pass across. That's why, listen, God gives us a few things that we're supposed to do in life. He said, this one, I want you to fight for it. The kingdom of God suffers what? Violence. So there are times you will violently tell somebody, don't disturb me. Don't touch me. In church, your wife wants to whisper, say, ah, the children have not eaten. And I'm in service. So what do you want me to do? You know, Satan can possess anybody. Wife, husband, father. Before you enter church, your father will call you. Don't answer that call. Say, what if it's an emergency? Before phone calls, are people not surviving? Give priority. That's what I'm going to say. Like Bishop Oedipo used to say those days, he says, your sense of value determines the flow of virtue to you. Let me say that again. Your sense of value determines this flow of virtue to you. Sometimes when they say, let's go for this meeting, say, I will buy the tape later. You know what God checks? What else were you going planning to do? I want to watch Big Brother Niger, a satanic program. Do you get my point? The blessing in that world, if you like, listen to that tape one million times. It's not coming. You can hear and not understand. You can see and not perceive. It's not whether you will get You can get the tape. That's not what we're talking about. You can get the tape. It's whether the spirit will decide to ride upon those words or refuse to. That's what we're talking about. Because what the Lord is checking is that what did you... You know, the order of priority matters to the Lord. He said, let me first go and bury my father. He said, let the, let the dead bury their own corpses. What you do first is important to God. Elijah cast his mantle on Elisha. Elisha ran after me and said, Sir, can I quickly go? Sir, what's the problem? Am I stopping you? Go anywhere you want to go. Elisha got the point. That there's no let me go first. I've seen people that will say, I want to put my act together, then I'll give my life to Christ. They never do. Many of them die in the process. Remember the brother I said that he gave his life to Christ. His friends came and told him, that's our deal we did. It has produced. And his father said to him, whoever puts the hand on the plan and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom. So he told them, take the money. They took it. They all died. He survived. He lived. He lived to tell us the story later. Be careful. Oh. People do things like, huh? I don't want to miss this TV program. Buy me the tape when you are coming. It's not the tape. It's that you told God something else is more important. That is what determines whether the Spirit will ride on the words into your heart or it will not. It is not whether you heard it. You can hear and not understand. It's very possible. What am I saying again today? Pay attention. What did I say? Pay attention. Some people come to church, they are looking for work to do. Work in church reluctantly. What did I say? Hey, let me say it again. You know, many times people don't, you know, the pastor Bang is a strange preacher. Yes. Work in church reluctantly. I said it, I mean it. 
I, I, I mean it. I'm not, I'm, I, let me say it again. Be reluctant to walk in church. Why? You will ask me. Because many church workers are not paying attention. And they think they will be rewarded. Because when they were preaching, they were the ones in charge of security. Because the reward I will give you is that your car will not be stolen. But the blessing the word for the day, you won't get it. I know sometimes some people have to do something. That's why I said what? Reluctantly. Let it be that, ha! If possible, let this call pass over me. Look for work that makes you sit down in church and listen. Many years ago, one of our sisters, dear sister, she saw me. Ah, Pastor Wang, how are you doing? Fine. Which church do you attend? Then I was in Lagos. I mentioned the church. There was one church I just looked at that time I was attending. She wanted to know. They knew me in school, you know, whether I've joined the church, you know, pastoral team. They said, are you, she asked me, are you actively involved? I said, yes. Ah, what do you do in the church? I said, I'm actively involved in listening to the pastor. I still remember very well. She saw me on the roadside. She almost fell down the main road. The laughter, she laughed. Eh? She bent down. Main road, you know? The main Bini road, that uh, Lagos Express. I said, I'm actively involved in listening to the pastor. People have come to Kingdom World many times, several times in the past. So what can I do? I said, you can sit down. And they don't come back up. You know, you don't see them. I am so blessed by this ministry. What can I contribute? Sit down. I said, when you sit, along the line, you will fit somewhere. Do you know they don't have that patience? Man came one day from out of town. Said the, one particular pastor, a friend of mine, said he should come to uh, come and see me. And then when I get involved in the ministry, said, what can he do? I said, you can sit down first. Do you know, I didn't see him a second time. No, 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 I'm not exaggerating. That day he came, and he saw me at the end, and we had a short discussion. Was the last time I saw him. He never came back. And I have a rule. Nobody walks on me who's not listening to me. It's my rule. You can't walk with me in ministry if you're not paying attention to me. You can't. I don't want you. I'll tell you clearly. I'm not interested. As someone was working with us those days. In fact, if you follow us for seminars, you know our rule. Once the program starts, we shut down. We don't sell books. We don't sell tea. We don't sell anything. We shut everything down. Go inside. We cover our materials. Somebody say, I'm in a hurry. That's your problem. If you're in a hurry, you'll have come before the program started. But because no worker will attend to you. I can't be inside and one of my co-workers is there telling you, this book is one five, this one is 500 naira. And you think, no, I, 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 I totally refuse it. Everybody sits down. Because there is no blessing if you are not paying attention. There's no blessing. I want to say it again to people. Please, when you want to go and hear the word, focus. 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 Don't give appointments. When the message is going on, they'll pass you a note. Somebody looking for you outside. No, stop it. If you go to an American embassy or any foreign embassy, you know, <laughs> you know the way our people love American visa. If you see the way people behave, see, see that everybody put off your phone, they will put, you can't even bring your phone there. They don't bring it. There's nothing. All this is saying, what if I'm not holding my phone? He, he's suspended because he wants to collect a visa. Let me say it again. Pay attention. What did I say? Pay attention. Turn to somebody beside you. Tell the fellow, pay attention. Pay attention. So your blessing is connected to attention. Tell somebody else, pay attention. Power is released by attention. Power is 
I quote this statement from many ministers, of the, about three of them actually. They say, if people will give me the same attention they give to doctors, I will get them healed 100% of the times and it will not cost them anything. I, I feel like telling them, sir, it will cost. That attention is what people cannot give you. That is the cost. Tell your neighbor again, please pay attention. Please pay attention. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. I have a message this evening, uh, which I believe very strong. That's what God wants us to know. And it ignited it in my heart through a number of experiences. Uh, of course, it's the word of God. It's just that that brought, up, brought that stuff up to the top, and I realized that that's what... I was planning to come this evening and do something else. I was thinking we'll end that short series, releasing the... Divine provisions, right? I think that's what we call it. Yes, leading divine, leading the provisions of God, something like that. All right, that's what we've been talking about for some time. So that um, I, I wanted us to we'll talk about all God's provisions are where in His promises. So I thought we'll get to an end today, but maybe we'll leave it till next time to end it. Well, I don't know whether we'll be able to end it today, but there's something that the Lord just put upon my heart this afternoon that will be the message for this evening, and I want us to uh, get down to it. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. And I want us to read um, a text of the scriptures from Second Chronicles chapter 20. Let's just read some Bible story. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Now, because it's a bit of a long read, I will um, I'll try and break it here and there. So, but let's start. It's something I believe if you've been a Bible student for uh, some time or just ordinary Bible knowledge from us, from childhood, you know the stories about um, Jehoshaphat, the prayer he prayed. Let's have on verse 1. Like I said, I'll jump here and there until I get to the point that I really want to emphasize. Then it came about after this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with some of the Meonites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram, and behold, they are in Hezezon Tamar, that is Engedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid. Sometimes fear is good. It's what you do as a result as the issue. Nothing wrong with being afraid, but what happens as a result of fear? I hope you're getting my point. The fact that you see trouble and your heart suddenly, don't feel bad. What will you do as a result? Is what we are saying. Alright, verse 3. Joseph was afraid, and then he turned his attention to seek the Lord. That's what I was making. What did he do as a result of fear? Actually, I'm not asking, I'm preaching. <laughs> Thank you very much, but I kind of just wanted to emphasize something. He turned his attention to seek the Lord. Challenges will come to you in life, that's how you respond to it. That's the most important thing. Yes, challenges might come. The most important thing is to turn as a result to seek God. I learned this long ago. If something fearful is in the horizon or is coming up in my heart, I need to make a decision. I've learned. I just leave the thing till evening. I go and pray. You know what? God always answers. Paul says something. He said, the peace of God that passes all understanding. We come and guard your heart, mount a, literally mount a garrison that is put soldiers around your heart. The peace of God is a tangible spiritual substance. It comes. So issues will come in life 
that want to scare you. That's what I'm going to make. Don't be afraid. That like, don't worry. When they come, go and pray. That's what happened to Jehoshaphat. What did he do? Jehoshaphat turned his attention to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And I've explained to us what the fast of a Christian is. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. Ah, I pray we'll do this more often. When there is trouble, seek the Lord. Stop making phone calls. First thing you do is what? Seek God. The moment you hear there is calamity, rush inside the closet, close the door, and seek God. Pray to the Lord. Ask him to do something about the situation. Ask him to reveal his will to you. This is how you release the provisions of God. One major reason we don't see it is that we don't seek him. People have traveled around. They've told us something. Ministers from the United States and Western countries. They say they see more faith when they come to Africa than they see back home. Why? Because the people, talking about health matters. The people back home have a lot of help. They just dial 911, if in the United States, and literally, of course, somebody picks, the dispatcher will pick the call. You will know whether to send an, send an ambulance or send, send the police. Somebody's injured, you say yes. What kind of injury? As he's talking to you, they're already locating your house. They don't ask you for your address. You are making a call from somewhere. If it's a landline, they know where it's registered. They may ask you, but that's not the issue. If it's a mobile, it can be tracked. And as they are talking, police is on the way. An ambulance is on the way. I hope you're getting my point. I remember, I read one story of one woman once. She cut her hand off. I mean, when I say cut, I mean off. It fell off. Between the elbow and the wrist, the hand fell off somewhere halfway through. She had it. She was doing carpentry in the home. She had this power saw that picked her sleeve, dragged her into the saw, and sliced her hand off. Why I'm telling this story is she had some learning. She knew how to quickly stop the major bleeding and she went down the phone. And she said something in the story. I read the story. When she told the fellow at the other end, she told the fellow, she thought the fellow hung up. The fellow didn't spare the time to answer her. Immediately rushed the ambulance. That is to be saying, okay, I understood what you said. No, no, no. That one said, no, this is a matter of minutes. Of course, they joined the hand back successfully. Now, what I'm going to bring out here is this. So because of the help, when people are sick, they don't pray. They go to the hospital. The doctors are available. So those men say, when they come down to Africa, people don't... Call who now? Who are you calling? The policeman you are calling does not know the number of any ambulance. Those days they used to say there's no fuel. Oh, they said to you now. Do people still call them? For that reason, they found out that people down here, they know how to pray. And they see miracles. When they began to declare coronavirus is moving everywhere. <laughs> Corona said, I asked Ebola what happened when, I came, when they came to Nigeria. <laughs> Ebola said, no, try those people. Though. They go, carry you go camp. <laughs> Till now, I'm telling you, you know, I'm a medical professional. But my classmates and I will laugh about it. All the explanations they have given, in fact, the last one I read, of why coronavirus did not do what they said to do in Africa. The explanation is plenty. So I read one. This is by WHO Africa. So I commented on it. I said, why don't you say I don't know, instead of talking this kind of nonsense? That's what I said. 
I said, why didn't you just say I don't know? Instead of saying this kind of nonsense. So I, part, okay, I folded the stuff, I cut the image, sent it to my classmates, and I added my, my comment. There's one guy who said, this guy is a professor in one of Nigerian's medical institutes, that's a research institute. He said, my thoughts exactly. He said, which kind of nonsense talk is this one? Because the explanations till now have, there's no medical sense. They've said that we are too poor to get coronavirus. That, that, is, that was the silliest one I heard, that poverty is a problem. The last I heard that made me shake my head. They said underpopulation is a problem. Suddenly we're underpopulated. I'm telling you. These are statements released by WHO Africa. Because, you know the truth? Of course, I know the job. That is what happens when the other answer should have been what? I don't know. We don't understand. They've tried everything. They say, okay, maybe we have had coronaviruses before. They say, mm-hmm. They say, okay, we have vitamin D. They say, okay, the humidity. Somebody say, if it's humidity, one of my classmates answered. He said, why is Brazil so afflicted? He said, well, if it is heat, why is Iran so afflicted? They've used all kinds. You know the truth? Nobody knows. But we know. Somebody say amen. amen. At the beginning, we, we heard prophetic words. The word of God was declared both physically and in visions over the nation. Listen, what I'm going to say. If we seek the Lord's help, he will give it. If we seek the Lord's help, he will give it. I don't know whether you've seen this video. Released a few years ago, a Nigerian missionary, somewhere in the north, who said Islamists came to his house to kill him. They didn't find him. They beat his wife silly until she could not see again. Make a long story short, she recovered. God helped her over time, she recovered. He said exactly a year after, they came back. And he was at home this time around. It was the one they were looking for. His children were there. His wife was there. They took him out to go and kill him outside. Then one of them said, no, let's go and kill him in his bedroom. They took him back to the bedroom. So he said, no problem. He requested time to pray. So he fell on the floor to pray. The next thing he remembers, his wife was tapping him. They've gone. His son was holding his hand. Daddy, get up. They are gone. He said, why they left? He said, only eternity will tell. What they saw, they don't know. All he knows that they left. It's where he ended the testimony that was most interesting. He said, one day I'm going to die. For, for sure. He said, but until then, I have a gospel to live for and to die for. God answers prayers. The problem is, are we looking for his help? So a lady somewhere. Well, she works in an office where they do some work for me. Along the line, she just found out, ah, you walked into so and so place. It was years ago. I said, yes. Ah, they advertised the other deal. I didn't apply. I said, why didn't you apply? He said, I didn't know I knew anybody there. She said, you work there. I know you now. You are our customer here. You didn't apply because you didn't know anybody. She said, yes. I said, you don't know God. Christians still behave like that. Who do you know there? I know there are things we do and the Lord is insulted. He said, I don't know anybody. He said, God said, oh, I am nobody. I am nobody. I said, you don't know anybody. Oh, I am nobody. There are statements you don't make as a believer. I don't know anybody. Wherever it is, I know somebody. And the person I know is higher than the most high person in that organization. And is ruler of all things. Let's say if we look for the Lord's help, he will send it. Let's continue reading. So the people gathered to seek help from the Lord. 
Verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? And are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, so that no one can stand against you. Did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? They have lived in it and have built you a sanctuary there for your name, saying, Should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry to you in our distress. He said, And you hear and deliver us. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. He said, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. See how they are rewarding us by coming to drive us out from your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. O our Lord, will you not judge them? For we are powerless against this great multitude. Please notice that. He said, we... In ourselves, we are powerless against this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, for our eyes are on you. That statement is so important. He said, our eyes are on you. He said, all Judah were standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. You know, sometimes calamity is good, though. I'm not joking. When you see trouble in front, sometimes it is good. For Christians, it's very, very good. Sometimes you have not prayed in a long time. You have been too prosperous. You have been too busy. You have been tossed to and fro by the activities of the world. Trouble in front will make you pray. Look at this. The women come, came with the children, followed the fathers to go and pray. If it's before, they are too young. This boy will not let somebody concentrate. I've heard all kinds of excuses why people will not come to where brethren are gathered. Essentially, it's too difficult. But this time around, you know what happened? When they saw trouble, you must understand. These people were coming to wipe them out. They are still like that till today. They reprise, well, listen to him, some, well, of course, I listen to the message again and again. Modern Israel, modern Israel. He said, when he was there at that time, he said, he can tell you, as a matter of fact, that every Jewish woman was told to keep a pistol in the house and put enough bullets for each of his, her children in case the Arabs invade and win the war. Turn around, kill your children one by one so that they will not fall into the hands of the enemies. The red prince said, I know it as a fact. Those early days, it's better for them now. But those early days when the, the country was just formed, the modern Israel was just made into a country, they, because they said it was bad. That was the kind of situation they were facing. That was why they went to pray. You will notice, every time people, the Bible says these things were recorded for our learning. When Ezekiah went to pray, did God not answer? When David prayed, after they took all his family and the family of his, of his uh, men, when he prayed, did God not answer? You know the truth? We really don't pray. We complain, we whine, we get angry, but we hardly pray. I'm convinced, if you pray in sincerity, the Lord will always answer. Always. It's just that, you know, people have weakened their own faith. They have taken God's matter to that is taking prayer to matters that the Lord doesn't even want them involved in. They will be, you know, you want to pray in faith, and you are praying over village fight, who will collect the land. 
You don't even know who is right. You just expect God to be on your side. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That weakens faith over time. But if we maintain a life of wisdom, working with God, in the time of distress, if you go to him, he will answer prayers. I'm talking about unlocking divine provisions. I'm going somewhere. Now, verse 14. Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, and the whole son of, son of, son of. Verse 15. And he said, Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. He said, do not be afraid. Remember this man started with what? Fear. But what did fear do for him? Drive him to prayer. And he went to the Lord and prayed. And the Lord gave him a word. No need to be afraid. You have come to the right place. He said, because this battle is not yours. In verse 16, he said, tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves to come and watch. <laughs> that you will come. What are you coming to do? It's movie. It's movie. You are coming to see action. It's action. They were coming to see action. He said you will not need to fight. Just station yourselves and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face them. To come and watch. You remember that? For the Lord is with you. So Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and, Jerusalem, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. The Levites from the sons of the Kohathites and of the sons of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. They rose up early in the morning, verse 20 now, and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets, and succeed, or you will prosper. Now, which prophet is the man who spoke earlier and said you will not need to fight? Are you getting the point here? In verse 21, it now says, the Bible says, When he had consulted with the people, that listen, the Lord said we don't need to fight. We are supposed to come and watch. And that's where my message is coming from. What do we do? He said, well, they came to this conclusion. He appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire. As they went out before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. That was a song they were singing. Give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Manseer, who had come against Judah. So they were routed. What happened? The sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Manseer, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. <laughs> this is original die by fire. I hope you're getting my point here. This is very, very serious. They helped to destroy one another. When Judah came to the lookout of the wilderness, the movie, they looked toward the multitude and behold, there were corpses lying on the ground and no one had escaped. 
When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found much among them, including goods, garments, and valuable things which they took for themselves, more than they could carry. And they were three days taking the spoil because there was so much. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, why did I read all of this? To see how Jehoshaphat handled the issue. Now, notice something. God's provisions are where? God's provisions are where? Now, where did the weapon of war, where did God locate it in this particular situation? It was in the prophetic word that came by the mouth of that prophet. It was in that prophetic word that God located the provision. The man said to them clearly, he said, what are you going to do? You will not need to fight. Station yourselves, stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Do not be he said, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. He said, this is the Lord's battle, it's not yours. What, what was he saying? You will not need to fight. God will fight by himself. But you need to come and watch, watch the victory. I hope you're getting my point. That was the prophetic word. And Jehoshaphat explained to them that if you want to prosper, if you want to succeed, act upon that prophetic word. I hope you're getting my point. So he said, okay, what is it? What, what are we going to do? To show that we did not come to fight, let praisers be in front. And what were they doing? They were singing, they were singing, give thanks to the Lord. That's what I want to be, I want you to understand. Give thanks to the Lord. No, the, the prince says something. I hear so much in his messages. He said, he says, thanksgiving is a sign of faith. He will describe what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. He will now say, if you really believe it, you should be saying thank you. I hope you're getting my point. What am I teaching this evening? That we need to put thanksgiving in our mouths to release the provisions that God has made for us. Jehoshaphat and Co. began to give thanks before they saw the battle. It was not a case of let God finish doing it and we'll start praising God. The moment they heard the prophetic word, all God's provisions are where? Let me hear it one more time. All God's provisions are where? That means every time you see a promise from God, you turn it into a song of thanksgiving. Whether you have seen it or you haven't seen it. The Red Prince says that is the first sign of faith. That is the first sign. I remember those days. Ha! I was just reading my Bible. And I stumbled into Isaiah chapter 66 verse 12. You've heard, I've told you the stories of, my, of those early days. Little after NYC. I didn't have anything. Nothing. But I, I, I read that scripture that day. He said, Behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. Do you know, I've not forgotten that scripture in more than, how many years now? That was around 1994 that I read this. How many years now? 26 years. I've not forgotten it. What did it do for me? Oh, suddenly I now saw money in front of me. No. What I heard from it is that bank, don't worry. Anywhere I tell you to go, go. Whatever I tell you to do, do. Sometimes when we say we don't know what God is saying, God is talking loud. It's the obstructions to our hearing that's the problem. Many times it is clear. Listen, that's why I preach the fight against unbelief. Why we can't understand what the Lord is saying is not because they say God has not spoken to me. No, listen, let me tell you the truth. God doesn't like talking the way we like to talk. My son, get up, I rise, go outside, look out. What do you see? I see the sun. It is morning, go out. And so I've ever preached like that. The Lord woke me up this morning and said, what is today's date? I told him, I'm not joking. And I said, the Lord said, it's the end of the month. Salaries will come. You know, like, excuse me. 
The Lord is just looking for what to say, who to talk to, uttering nothing. So many Christians hear those things. That's why I preach the way I do sometimes. Let me tell you something. A lot of my messages, all right, they are born out of, you know, Paul said we are, we are comforted in our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are similarly, similarly afflicted with the same comfort with which we are comforted. So I preach some of the things I preach to let you know that I have been in that confession too before. You hear people come and say, the Lord said to me, and you are wondering, why didn't you talk to me? You don't know that he doesn't talk to most people. I don't know whether you are getting my point. You don't realize it. He doesn't talk to most people like that. That is, like they just come appear to them and be hearing voices. How he speaks to most people is through the documented word. It is acting, see, when God wants to lead you most times, you hear nothing. You just act according to that which you understand. Did you hear what I said? That is why to be able to walk in the will of God. You know, Christians sometimes say you will pray, pray till God speaks to you. I do. Listen, first of all, let me just say something to you. That doctrine is not in the scripture. Number one, you don't just carve doctrines out of people's experiences. Number two, many of us tried it too. At the end of the day, you know what we had? Confusion. There are people who will pray, pray, then the Lord will speak to them. And the exact opposite of what God said will happen. I want to tell them, say, bros, excuse me. I thought the Lord said, but you know, <laughs> you two, you were there before. So you don't want to embarrass anybody. Listen, God doesn't necessarily speak to those who are trying to force him to say anything. One day I was speaking like this. Somebody said, you know, like a round table uh, fellowship. Say, no, the Bible says, when you call upon me, I will answer you. I feel like saying that, excuse me, does, does language mean anything to you? When you call upon me, I will answer you. What does it mean to you, please? Can somebody answer it for me? What does it mean? If you call upon me, I will answer. Does it mean when you say, eh, Lord, is it yeah? I did here. No, this side, this side, this side. No, look away from the sun. Is that what he said? When you call upon me, I will answer. If you are sick, I will heal you. If you need money, I will provide for you. If you are in trouble, I will defend you. That's what it means when they say, we'll answer. Say, no, pray till God answers you. He has answered already. The things he has spoken, you have not acted on 1% of them. You have not obeyed 1%. He's not in a hurry to give you more more instructions. The one he has given, you have not obeyed them yet. Listen, how do you walk in God's will all the time? It's simple. Fill your head with instructions. That is from the word of God. Understand his mind. The will of God can be understood. He said, understand what the will of God is. It's something you can understand. You train your mind to think like God. So, what the Lord calls inward witness, actually, because I think it was a problem for me for a long time. People say that you, God speaks to you through your inward witness. I was like, okay, where do I find inward witness? Which shop did they sell it in? Do you know, just a few years ago, well, not so recent, maybe up to 10 years now, that I finally understood it. What is inward witness? I said, if a woman is cooking, or a cook is cooking, you know, there's cookbook. You know what they call cookbook? So, you want to make... Um, Sorry, is there any cookbook for how to make um, a goosey soup? I'm hearing yes and no. Maybe, possibly. Okay, all of you are hearing yes, yes, yes. Let me ask you a question. Have you read it? All of you inside this hall that said there's a cookbook for making a goosey soup. Have you read it? You have read a cookbook for making a goosey soup? Oh, you have read it. Everybody please clap for him. We have somebody who has read it. Now, have you cooked a goosey soup with that cookbook? Ah, clap for him again. <laughs> this guy hears God. Are you getting my point? He hears God. It's one of those unique people that hear God. You get what, I'm, what, what that joke is about? The truth is, I see, apart from this man, the women who cook a goosey soup, they, <laughs> the lawyer cook a goosey soup. 
The Lord is good. You used to defend the case. Amen. Now, all... <laughs> now, this is where I'm going. Most people cook a goosey soup. Now, I'm happy. Apart from this man, you are so odd. <laughs> Most people who cook a goosey soup, they just know how to cook it. That's where I'm going. Most times, know what they use cookbook for? Baking cake, making pizza, changing. No, those odd, odd things. Those things are not the perfect will of God. The things that are the... <laughs> when they want to make the Nigerian jollof rice, no cookbook. Listen, they know the rice, they know the water, they know the right temperature, and they don't have a thermometer. They know how long it will cook, and there's no, there's no timer. They know the correct amount of salt, and there's no weighing scale. Have you noticed that? At the end of the day, the jollof rice comes out nice every time. Do you know how they cooked it? It's called inward witness. Sounds like a joke, but I'm not joking. That's what I want you to understand. How do they know their right amount of salt to put? They just know it. How do they know the, the right amount of spices to put? They just know it. It comes out of experience. It comes out of interaction. It comes out of cooking over years. So when you ask the, the man or the woman, most, most of the time in our homes, women, how do you cook jollof rice? They are wondering how come you don't know it. I met a woman once, fantastic cook. She said it surprises her. When I said that some people can't cook, she's like, how? She told me that when some people can't cook, she's wondering, you can't cook? Is this something we learn? We're just born cooking. You woke up one day, you find yourself beside the pot. You don't even know how you got there. You've been cooking. Yeah, I'm telling you. That's what she told me that day. That's why she's so, that some people can't cook. She's surprised. Now, please, my issue is on how do they know what is right. That is what they call inward witness. They just know it. It's not, you know, when Christians thought inward witness was something you go and learn, it became confusion in itself. Did you hear what I said? What is really inward witness for the Christian? Experience with the word of God. Growing up as a believer, you just know what is right and you just know what is wrong. Many decisions, most decisions I make, you too, not just me, that please God, 99% of them you don't think about them. You just know what is right to do. So what you do as a believer is that you keep training yourself with God's word. That is what makes your inward witness more accurate. But some people say, no, my inward witness, once you are saying my inward witness says you have missed the point. Are you getting my point? If a woman wants to salt the rice we're talking about, and she says, he says, is that rice enough? Will she tell you, I have thought about it. No, answer me. Will she say that? What will she say to you? Yes or no? Flat. That salt will it be enough? Yes. Or she will say, no, I think I should add some more. How does she know? She just knows. How? Of course, through experience, through interacting with the kitchen, having cooked in previous times, so what God does is that time, you know, as you're, inter- living, as you're working as a believer every day, you keep learning. You keep being corrected. Over time, all your experiences, all your teachings, and listen to me, the Holy Spirit is inside them. Oh, I've had so many experiences that will teach me, thank you, don't do that. You know, you have done it before. And what I mean by that is that, <laughs> through that experience, God will have told us this. This is what I said, though. Don't be, don't, don't take no thought about tomorrow. So when somebody says, are you going to, I believe it. The, the Lord says you shouldn't do it. 
It's when he says the Lord said that you start saying, okay, the Lord. Okay, yes, he said so. That, that was like 15 years ago. You know what Oswald Chamber says? Oswald Chamber says that breathing is natural to anybody who's healthy. You don't think about it. He says, so is the will of God for the child of God walking in the light of the, of the word. There's not something you think about. You just do the will of God naturally. You've trained yourself with the word built up in you every day. I hope you're getting my point here. Now, why did I go, why did I go into that? You know, it happens once in a while. Man of God, what was I saying? We're talking about Jehoshaphat now. The, yes, I know. And that's where we are going. The whole thing is about Thanksgiving. What are you saying? Yeah, I know now. Why did I link Thanksgiving and hearing God now? Anyway, let me just continue preaching. The Lord is good. <laughs> this preaching work is sometimes... You, you, <laughs> You start looking, people will just be looking at you. you know, some people, and they like it like that to say, Pastor, just be talking. But okay, let's, let's just come to preaching. So, so I said that, listen, a sign of faith is what? Thanksgiving. It's not when you have seen it. It's when the Lord has spoken it. You have not experienced it. Okay, I know why I went to do that. So, when, when I heard that word those days, Behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. Yeah, that's why I went into that. It made it easy for me to hear God say to me, go to Enugu. It was so easy. It was so easy. Because, now Enugu is a beautiful place these days, you know that. But we came here 20 years ago. It wasn't this beautiful. It wasn't like this. I'd only been here once in my life before then, and I was holed up in the University of um, Nigeria Enugu campus most of the time. Came out only once. There was not... I, I still remember very well. There was nothing to attract me to the city. When I told a number of people that, listen, I was going to take a job in the university, I still remember their faces. There's a group that I'm thinking of. They made up their minds. This guy is a gluten for punishment. Poverty is not even scaring him at all. How much will you earn teaching? How much? You know, as they were worried for me, I wasn't even thinking about it. Do you know the simple reason? That's what I talked about, hearing God. Because I had heard the word that said what? Behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river. What that word said to me, I don't, my emphasis there was flow towards. That was emphasis. The emphasis was flow towards. Flow towards. That is, God said as a rule, I must never find you running towards it. You go your way. Wherever you are, I will make it come. That, that, that's, that was the loudest thing I heard. Talking about Thanksgiving, that time, eh? In fact, I remember one of our sisters, I went to visit her one day. So, she was living with her, uh, I think her brother or uncle. So, I was sitting in the sitting room when she came. They had this long couch. So, she sat on one end, I sat on the other end. So, I said, I, you know, I, 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 that word was still hot. I said, you see this visit, write it down. You will tell your children about it. That this man came to my house. That he sat on the same couch with me. I brought up my husband, shake his hand. <laughs> Poor, immediate post-NYC young guy telling somebody, shake this hand. You will tell your children about this handshake. I was just feeling cool. You know this kind of, if you have faith eh, and you are mad, you look alike. You're getting my point? The person of faith and the crazy man, they look the same. Then it was years later, I looked back at myself those days and I like, Frankie, you really threw to the crazy. The word you heard really turned your head. I was full of gratitude. Ah, I remember the first day I went to Covenant in Lagos. 
And Pastor finished preaching. That day, I came to church, you know, I was wearing white. And I take good care when I want to go out like that. The white linen material, starched, you know, the way it is, slightly starched and ironed. So it stood well. And I was looking, I look back now. Very funny. I was looking, I was feeling very good. I don't know what I was looking like, but I was feeling good. I went to church. Now, I remember because it rained. That's what I'm talking about. It Lagos. Everywhere was wet. So, when you see, you know, you jump the puddle nicely. You, like, a vehicle is coming. You quickly hop to one side so it doesn't splash water on you. Oh, we're wearing white. Then I sat down and the man of God finished preaching. When I came after service, my, my spirit was swollen. I don't know how to say it. This is what I was walking. I don't know whether I get the point. The mud suddenly lost, I lost respect of fear for the mud. That you know the kind, you know what he preached about the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Huh? I said, I was walking like this. Mud, splash, splash now. You know that kind of, <laughs> I was stepping carelessly. I felt that this is your opportunity to splash. You won't have it for a long time. That was what I was saying. Believe me, I was full of joy and happiness. Why? Because, like David said, I rejoice at your word as him that finds great spoil, great treasure. All of you, I didn't have anything. No. Why was mud an issue? Now, trek at the trek, go where they go. That was why mud was an issue. Believe me. The Red Prince said that when you encounter the word of God, the first sign of faith is what? Thanksgiving. I was full of thanksgiving. I remember once around that period, I was staying with my aunt in my auntie's place. And the friend of mine came and said, What well, about you are here? Come, let's go out. Now let's just you know, let's go around Lagos a bit. Okay, fine. He had a car. I remember it very well. So we entered his car. Old car, but was his car? And we're driving. I still remember that thing. We climbed down Tony Bridge. I was living somewhere, you know, in that area. So he was on the other side of the bridge. So I, I can't remember where we were going. As we climbed the bridge, he started telling me about the country, how useless the country was. A classmate that in secondary school, not in university. Age mate, childhood friend. Yet he had a car. He had an apartment of his own. I mean, I just arrived immediately after NYSC. Because, of course, he studied a course that I did in four years. Did a year of um, NYSC. I started working. He was working in the bank. He had promoted him once or twice. So, little money, he could buy a little car. I mean, I was just fresh. You know, after six years in school, one year of internship, one year of NYSC, I was just arriving. Nothing. And he was telling me about how useless the country was. Very nonsense country. How nobody's going anywhere. How our fathers ruined the country for our young, for we the young ones. How, you know, by the time he finished, you know what I did? While it was going on, he was driving. The car was not air conditioned, so the glass was down. I li- what I want to tell you, I'm not lying. I literally stuck my head out this way. Part of my head was sticking out of the car. The breeze was blowing in my face. You know why? So I could, so I could be giving thanks and he wouldn't hear. And I remember looking out. It was late, you know, early evening, but it was already dark, I think. And I, and I was looking out. I said, Lord, thank you. Oh, Lord, you are so good. I want to thank you for a brilliant future. I want to thank you for a great destiny. I want to thank you for the plan you have for my life. I want to thank you, Lord, because life is good. Thank you, Lord, you are good to me. He was there grumbling, driving on the left side. I was on the right side with my head stuck out of the window, looking out like this, where I was doing my thanksgiving. And on a natural plane, do you understand? He had more to thank God for than I had. He had much more. 
He had much more to thank God for than I had. But he was full of complaining and grumbling. But because the word had entered into me, I was full of thanksgiving. I was full of thanksgiving. What am I going to explain? Joseph had told us, you give thanks before you see the victory. That is how you unlock the victory that God has given to you. That is the message I'm preaching this evening. You give thanks based upon the promise. You don't give thanks primarily because of the experiences. You give thanks based upon what? The promises. Remember we said all God's provisions are locked in his promises. The word of God, that man said to me, to us, those the one that was a, you know, when I was in my internship, came to our church to preach. He said every scripture is a molecule of power. You don't have to see it yet. You already have it. The power is there. It's like something, like a very wealthy man gives you an ATM card. Or okay, like Americans use credit card and they tell you there's no limit. Do you have to see the cash before you are happy? I don't know whether you're getting my point. Do you have to see the cash before you are happy? You know when they say, they say that Angote did something very strange. I can't remember how much. He went to a bank. Somebody said it's not like to have been in Nigeria. And he withdrew, I think, is it five or ten or twenty or ten million? He withdrew ten million dollars and took it to his hotel room to look at it. Then when he finished, he returned the money. They say, why did you do that? He said, I just wanted to see what it looked like. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The richest black man had never seen $10 million. He had it all, but he had never seen it. So when they just went to withdraw it, he said, oh, come, what do you look like? I don't know whether you're getting my point. You don't feel rich because you have not seen money. The man that you, you think is very rich, he too does not see money really. Money just does things for him. I don't know what, I, I pray you get what I'm going to say. So if I give you, assume I'm very, assume I'm that angote, I give you a, a, a credit card, say don't worry, there's no limit, you can spend anything you want. And you have not, you, you don't live, and you're under lockdown, you have not gone out for three days. Will you be sad? Oh my, one of these are like, uh, I'm poor, I'm poor. I say, why are you poor? There's no money. You know when you want to, you look at the credit card and start laughing. <laughs> they say, when lockdown is over. Are you getting my point? You sit down online and be browsing. This kind of car, what kind of car is that? Why is the tire like this? I want bigger tires. You change it. You've not left your house. There's still lockdown. Shops are not open yet, but in your heart, you're already spending money. I hope you're getting my point. Every promise of God is a piece of the credit card of heaven. Whether you have spent it or not, whether you have used it or not, whether it's working for you yet or not, please give thanks for it as if an extremely wealthy man gave you a card and said there's no limit. Many people are, we are waiting for God to do something for us to give thanks. You know what really excites God? That you can give thanks based on the promise that he made. Because when you give thanks for what he has done for you, it's good. Gratitude is very, very important. But that faith is not as high as the one that thanks God when he had, based only on the promise that God made. Let me tell us again about Abraham's laughter. When God said to Abraham that your wife will be a son, the Bible says what? And Abraham laughed. And I grew up believing that that was mockery. That I found it ridiculous. Especially since the Bible says, he said, will I be, will my wife at the age of 90 be? The Bible says, and then he now said, oh that Ishmael might live before thee. We listen, we read all of that and assume that he found it funny, ridiculous. That God, come on, get real. Did you miss the address? Do you know who you are talking to? 
Let me explain to you, my wife is 90 years old. That's what we think. Except that that was not what happened. When God said to Abraham, you know, we have tried to say that, look, um, it is okay to laugh at God's promise. No, not in that sense. First, proof to you that that laughter was not the laughter of mockery is that the name of Isaac is what? Laughter. That's the proof you need. Isaac's name is laughter. Why did Abraham laugh? He said, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like the, you know, we are like them that dream. What's the next line? Then our mouths were filled with what? Laughter. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, our mouths were filled with what? Laughter. We began to laugh. Was it because it was ridiculous? It wasn't ridiculous. It was exciting. Abraham laughed. It was God. Thank you. It was like, huh? Are you serious? A man told me something once. You know, he had not slept for days. You know, this time he couldn't sleep. It was, it was oppression. There was a spirit oppressing him. So his friend came to, he went to his friend. He ran away from his house. So he couldn't go to his house. The house was just filled with this demonic presence. So he went to his house. He went to his friend's house. His friend, he told his friend, so I said, I'll take you to my pastor. So the friend took him to the pastor. Now he was telling me this. The friend took him to the pastor. He heard the whole story that anytime he sleeps, it's as if he's been attacked. That he feels the thing that he wakes up in panic. And that, ah, this has really been a problem. He couldn't sleep. So he said that when he, so when he told the pastor, the pastor said, that's not a problem. I will pray for you, and tonight you will sleep. He said to me, he said, I started laughing. That's where I'm going. Then he turned and said, please, please don't get me wrong. I didn't find what he said funny. But I was so excited, I couldn't hold back the laughter. It was in doubt. The pastor had not prayed. He just said, I will pray. And tonight you will sleep and you will sleep peacefully. He said, I started laughing. He said that night, the house he had not gone to. In fact, he said the day he left the house. He locked the gate without looking. As he was leaving, he locked the gate of the house and did not look back and ran away. So that night, he came back to the house, he opened the gate, entered his room and sat down. Do you understand? He said the next thing he knew was that he opened his eyes. He had been asleep for a few hours. So he removed, he was still fully dressed, shoes and all. You know, he just sit on the bed and just laid back. He was asleep for hours. Then, he got up, maybe around by that time, maybe he came in around 8, 9. He got away around 1 a.m., removed his clothes, removed his shoes, and laid back down. <laughs> he said, you know what woke me up? The sun. He said, it was the sun shining through the, you understand, in the curtain, that the sun fell on his face. That was when he woke up. It was maybe around 9, 10, 11 next morning. What I'm telling you about was his reaction. He said, when the man said, I will pray for you and you will sleep, he said, he burst out in laughter. And he, told, he said, please don't get me wrong. I wasn't laughing at him. He said, but the thought was so exciting, I couldn't hold back the laughter. That was exactly what happened to Abraham. Abraham laughed because God told him something. I stopped worrying about, when they say poverty, country is like disorder. I stopped in that 93 when I read that scripture. At that late 93, early 94. I just came, I just finished NYC. I finished NYC like October 93. He said, Behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river. 
and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. That is why most times, if I look, if I get money and it's plenty, I quote that scripture in Thanksgiving. My wife will see witness it. I see did it a few days ago in her presence. If I get money and it is small, if it's a hundred, if you dash me a hundred naira, I will whisper it. Father, I thank you because you are causing prosperity to flow towards me like a river and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. If the money is plenty, I will quote it. Assuming I'm going on the road and I just get, you know, this kind of God win a lot. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And it's 50 millionaire. The same scripture I will quote. Behold, he causes prosperity to flow towards me like a river and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. People of God, that's the reason why you don't, you never see me afraid of anything. Doesn't mean I have physically everything, but I have heaven's ATM card, which is God's word. And that is the reason why we give thanks. Jehoshaphat gave thanks before he saw the victory. He put people in front to be singing praises and thanksgiving to the Lord because he had the word. And he told the people, do you know why we are rejoicing? Because we believe the prophets and we know we will prosper. I hope you're getting my point. Every scripture should be converted to thanksgiving in your mouth every day. Please don't, we give thanks, we give testimonies when we have seen breakthrough, physically speaking. When the things we are believing God has happened physically, we give thanks. We do those things. And they are good. But the critical period that the Lord wants to collect his thanksgiving is after you have heard the promise. That was why he gave Isaac a name. To teach generations afterwards that laughter should come from your mouth. Do you get the point? That laughter should come from your mouth when God speaks to you. That I don't wait till you see something. Every day the cause of rejoicing should be what the Lord has spoken. That's the first lesson for the day. Second lesson. Let's read this particular scripture. Then we begin to give the Lord thanks. This is the second lesson for today. First Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. From verse 16, I'm going to uh, verse 18. It said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. What's the next one? Thank you. Let's just take it, let's take the first four words. What is, what does it say? In everything, give thanks. Look at it. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything, do what? Give thanks. He said, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, one of, the, one of the sins that God hates the most is murmuring. You know, something happened to me recently, and I realized what God was saying to me, that, you know, sometimes you are committing, that's why the Bible says that he that says he has no sin, is deceived himself. We used to wonder before that, what does that scripture mean? It means that we, we are sinners? No, we are not. Being a sinner is a profession. I am not a sinner, amen? Am, am I a sinner? Are you a sinner? Are we sinners? Because being a sinner is a profession. But sometimes we fall short of what God wants in our lives. True of us? We do it all the time, actually. Not sometimes. Very, very often. And what John was saying is that if you think you are perfect, it is because light has not yet been shown on that area. If God shines light in that area, you see your imperfection. So if you say you have no sin, what was saying? If you say you are perfect and you have no shortcoming, you are deceiving yourself. Listen to this. The truth is not in you. When the truth comes into you, realize it. What it wasn't saying that you are lying, per se. He said you have not yet discovered truth. You know, 
There's this testimony I used to illustrate that when I was getting married, the year I got married, which was a long time ago. So around this period, 21 years ago, I was worried. Amen. This year, I see no came with so well. <laughs> if you join the number of years, he and Israel have been married. It's not up to my own yet. Digwe. I said digwe now. Brendo, 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 brendo. <laughs> That's how we oppress people in Niger Delta. Digwe means a new down there, my friend. Senior boys, they talk. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, that time I was getting married. And now, I always believed I didn't worry. Remember, if you, if you say you have what? No sin. The truth is not in you. You deceive yourself. I didn't believe, I didn't know, I, I didn't know what, when people are worried, I worried about what, I didn't know what worried was. Except that every night I would go and lie down, I would be calculating. The sister said that the gown is this amount. And we're supposed to do this one. We're supposed to bring this number of bottles of wine. And this is, you know, we kept, we kept on talking, you know, I'm talking to myself, me and myself, we're talking, talking, kept on talking. So I will calculate, calculate, okay, next salary is coming, what date? 29th, 30th. How much is it? Yeah. I'm going to tailor this amount. Oh God, that guy that's making the rings, the goldsmith, we're supposed to balance him, so I will calculate like that. Oh. Normally, I used to keep the bed, and in 15 minutes, I'm in the seventh heavens. I've slept. This one... And, and because I had a habit, I used to go to bed around 11.30, just a habit, you know. There's a way your life has just been planned, you know, just habit. 11.30, I'll lie down. Listen to this. I will check the clock to be 2 a.m. I haven't slept yet. Ah, so I was wondering what's going on. Next night, it will happen. This kept on happening for days. Then one day, somebody said, thank God for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said to me, I didn't know what the Holy Spirit, of course. It was later I realized it was. Said, this is what they call worry. That's how the words came to my heart. This is what they call worry. I said, Jesus. One thing I know that God said we should not do. A thing I have preached that nobody should do. I didn't know I had been doing it for days. Do you know that was the last night it happened? Immediately I asked the Lord for forgiveness. I cast my burden upon him and I started sleeping. I went back to my normal self. Before I thought it was planning. Many of the things they call you, they, they tell you is planning. It's nothing but worrying. 99% of retirement plans is called retirement worries in heaven. Most of the savings for tomorrow is saving, is a worry for tomorrow. That's what God calls it. So you is reasonable, but the Lord said no, it's nothing but worry. I know what I'm going to say. You see where I'm going. So many times we are doing this, we don't know. This will happen to me in, in recent time, just over the last few days. Because the bank, you are murmuring. I never realized I was murmuring. Now, I won't tell you some of the things I'm, I'm murmuring about because if you hear them, you think it's very reasonable. I told you the day I demonstrated a small worry and God showed his disapproval with anger. They said they are raising tariff. Instead of this man of God, Israel, he and all of them were here together. When I was saying I was going to ban, they were agreeing with me. Wicked souls. Do you understand my point? Instead of they say, ah, pastor, no, it's warrior. They say it's true. It's true. All of them too were looking for money to buy. <laughs> I went and bought heavy Nepa units. Loaded it. My meter burnt. I 
I'm back to square one. God said, okay. You want to buy again? I said, no, God, I don't need What am I doing with credit? What am I doing with credit? I sat my wife one day and explained to her she was afraid. It's good to fear God. Listen, that day my wife got scared. You know this kind of thing? I said, God, is that how close you are watching me? You know, before you've been doing things in secret, thinking, if my husband does not know, God does not know. When I showed her that one that day, she said, yeah, Mugbe, I don't die, I don't die, I don't die. God forgive. Began to confess her sins <laughs> to herself. Because suddenly, no, that day, she, my wife was scared. She said, hey, walking with God, hey, God. She was afraid. Because there are two meters we control. Both of them, one burnt, the other one started draining the, started draining the unit for no reason. Till now, we have not found the reason. A meter that's hardly used, that you put 500 naira will last days, because it's hardly used. Now you put 5,000 naira, boom, in two days it's gone. You put it on that, boom, it just, you put 5,000, bam, in a few hours it's gone. Ah! Went to EDC office. They say, one guy finally called me, said, listen, say, okay, these meters are smart. They detect things you don't know. So, how has that solved my problem? <laughs> I left there knowing that I shall not work, that is, if they tell me that tomorrow, fuel will be 700 naira a liter, I will drive home, park my car, and go to sleep as worship. I will say, Lord, see money, see Jerry Khan, see filling station. But I want to give you an offering. I will not buy. I will go home, go and sleep. Then tomorrow morning, he says, now 750. I will not come and buy. I say, God, it's now 750 of your money, not my money. I was never the one supplying money for fuel. I was never the one supplying fuel. Why would the change of pump price change my God who is in heaven? Who controls money, controls fuel, controls the seller? Hey, we, we, we annoy him the way we behave. We call it planning. Recently, you know, the Lord, I, I didn't believe I used to mama. Until God just showed that to me the last few days. Banky, you have every good reason for what you are saying, but I call it murmuring. You know, I just realized God has said something to me and he's saying it to you. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You know, in, there are two interpretations. One is that I will always be with you. No, there's a second one. The, that's the children one. The adult one is this. I have my king. I will never let you misbehave. I will never forsake you so you will stay in misbehavior. When you misbehave, I will discipline you so that you will be corrected. The Lord alone was with him. Are you getting my point? So the Lord alone will be with you. That's what it means. No, I won't let the world control you. Murmuring is hated by God. Let me tell you what they call murmuring so that you know that murmuring is not, eh, what have you done for me lately? That's not just murmuring. This power self, this nepper. We get only two hours in a day. God said, you should have given thanks for two hours and ignore the 22 hours. You know what most of us do? We complain about the 22 hours and say nothing about the two hours. I hope you're getting my point. Price are just going on, just going on every day. <laughs> now, wow. How will somebody survive in this country? God said, but you are still buying. It's smaller than before, but that small is still coming home with you. He says, give thanks for that one. And don't say anything apart from casting your burden upon the Lord about the rest. Listen, people, listen. Momo is the number one thing people do around. Momo, of course. We always look for somebody to momo against. You know what Israel did? They momo against who? No, no. The moment they go who? Moses. Thank you. People they don't moment. They don't see. They don't. The people hardly moment directly against God. We are too afraid of Him. God, what did they do? You say who they talk that kind of thing? 
Only atheists say that. And they are mocking. Real Christians, they never murmur against God directly. They will murmur against Moses. They will murmur against the president. Against the government. They will murmur against the husband. They will murmur against the wife. They will murmur against the children. They, you know, my children traveled some time ago. They just came back a few days ago. Huh. Amen. You know, this just will make you laugh. I now knew these children are expensive. Before we will pump water, we will forget, you know, overhead tank. Like, you have many gallons. I can't remember, maybe like 500 gallons. Just pump one. We will use water, use water, use water. The day they came back, I opened up. Hey, go and pump water. They said, we have this, um, this butter we put drinking water in the house. Since they travel, it's always full of water. The water, not they finish. Two days after they came back, I opened it. Empty. Knock the thing. Boom, boom, boom. Nothing inside. Then I entered my room. Somebody was here. Your charger has been removed. Your cable has been borrowed. Your adapter is gone. Oh, should I talk about bread? No, no, no need to talk about bread. No need. We'll bring out one loaf of bread to be going in and out of the freezer. Because we know the finisher. The day they came. Hallelujah. Let's not say more than that. You can imagine the rest. So I just said, telling my wife, I said, ha! Now, wow. my wife said, don't worry. Enjoy it. People are looking for who eat their bread. People are looking for who drink their We're joking about it, actually. You understand my point? Now, what I'm going to bring out is this. Suddenly, I saw the effect of the house being full. Food was just going down. Phew! Water was going down. Phew! Everything was going Before, peace. Nobody knocks my door. Who, who will knock? Now, before you lie down. Go, 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 go. Who is that? Me. Go, go, go. Everybody's taking their turns. So I told my wife, I think I should return them to Benin. Let them go and stay with their grandparents where they are coming from. <laughs> now, you see why I told this story. You could sit down on the negative aspect. But of course, because they are children, we don't sit down on it. We just laugh about it. But this is what we do with a lot, a lot of things in life. We don't focus at all on the positive aspect. We are so focused on the negative aspect. Before you know what's happening, you start murmuring. Now, listen to what, what they call murmur. Momo is the accurate description of the negative event. Were the people not thirsty? Were they not hungry? But they forgot the God that delivered them out of Egypt. Another is the definition for Momo is a focus on the shortcomings rather than the positive aspect. What I'm trying to say is that God took us out of Egypt. What God wanted is be so full of thanksgiving for being out of Egypt, for the miracles you saw, so that if you were to die in the wilderness, you would die grateful. Say, Lord, thank you. I'm dying of thirst, but I did not die a slave. What did they say? Moses, excuse me. Now, did it, it wasn't God. Though. Nobody, I told you, not God. You murmur against the children, you murmur against the husband, you murmur against the wife, you murmur against the country. Mama against the pastor, Momo against Moses. He said, Moses and your brother Aaron, were there no graves in Egypt that you thought it is this sandy wilderness that we should be buried in? Moses, you will remember, I never complained about being a slave. Slavery was my, was my portion. All I needed to do was make bricks. I used 70% of my energy for Pharaoh, 30% for myself and my family, and I was okay. Now we die in the wilderness. You know what the Bible calls it? Murmuring. They murmured against Moses directly. But the Bible said they were murmuring against God and against Moses. 
But Moses was a direct person they murmured against. What am I saying? Before I tell you what I'm saying, let me ask you. If you're hungry alone, is bad. When your wife and your children are hungry with you, it's worse. Did they have children with them? Were they hungry? Were they thirsty? Did they have good reasons? Now, naturally speaking, let's leave faith for a moment. Did they have good reasons to complain? Did they have power failure? Please, answer me. You know where I'm going? Was fuel becoming more expensive? Yes, sir. Were the roads bad? Yes, sir. Were there kidnapping around? Yes, sir. I hope you get where I'm going. Has schools been closed for six months? Yes, sir. Is anyone else trying to go on strike? Yes, sir. Yet the people mentioned those things and God said that we're killing the wilderness for it. You see why you should be surprised you're still alive. You should be surprised you are still alive. Murmuring kills. It kills your faith. Listen to me. It destroys your mental state. It leaves you blind to divine blessings and divine opportunities. What is murmuring? Is a focus on the negative. That's what murmuring is. God, my message, you know, we've heard the first one about Thanksgiving before we see it. The second one about murmuring is that God hates murmurers. God hates murmurers. You know, the one that God opened my eye to see, it surprised me. I didn't know I was murmuring. It was like a joke. Something my wife and I would just joke about. But God said, Banky, do you realize what you are doing is murmuring? And I thought, I'm so sorry. I didn't think so. That's why I told you, if you think you have no sin. He said, the truth is not in you. When the truth comes, you'll be amazed. There are things that people are doing every day. And listen to me, God is kind. Somebody said the Lord is kind. The Lord is patient, say it. But let me tell you something about the kindness of God. The only thing he does is to withhold judgment. He never blesses disobedience. Never. God never, ever, ever, he never blesses disobedience. If you murmur, you're not supposed to murmur. The blessing is suspended. He won't judge because there are two sides to God. If you look at spiritual, there are always two sides. He will say to Abraham, to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, number one, that's one offense, and you have eaten, the second one. He said, they have forsaken me, the fountain of life, or the, 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 the water, and they have hewn for themselves, for themselves, sisters. Two, forsake God, hewn, to the natural mind is one thing. And the same thing, spiritual things are like that. Withholding the blessing is one part of the judgment. Inflicting Punishment is the second one. When God wants to punish, those are the two things he does. One, he withholds blessings. Second, he inflicts punishment. In his mercy, in his mercy, it's only the second he can suspend. That's the only thing he can do. He can suspend judgment. He can. But he never blesses disobedience. If you murmur in ignorance, he will not judge. But the blessing that was supposed to come will not come. So even though he's merciful, you know my best example? David. David, a man after God's heart, he loved many women. God has never blessed the love of many women. Never. There is no person on earth that God has blessed who loved many women. Not one. Solomon thought because God did not harshly judge his father. He didn't read between the lines. Go and read the story of Caleb. The story of Moses. Joseph. All these great men that came before your father David. Who your father is supposed to be following. How many of them were weak at the age of 70? 
None. 85, Caleb was leading a charge against giants. Because I may not say anything. And listen to me. God is not talking. doesn't mean that you will get away from you. You, you have a duty to go and purify yourself. You have a duty. David did not. He was, he, he, oh God. Bros was a, well, that guy was a, a sanctified he goat. Your first six sons born by six different women. What's wrong with your head? Six. Did they conspire to have only boys? I'll tell you no. Twelve women give birth. Principle of probability. Twelve women give birth to, for children for David at the same time. That was why they could count six sons in succession born by six different women. Bros, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? I didn't say you're a Hebrew. You behaved like one. That's what I just said. I'm so sorry. Solomon thought he amplified, he ramped it up. 700 wives, they lost the kingdom. 300 concubines, they lost the kingdom. 700 wives, 300 concubines, they lost the kingdom. That was where the, the kingdom left their final family. Carved the 10 tribes and gave them one because of Jesus Christ. <laughs> God, you all look, say, just, Jesus has to come. They just kept one. One tribal. He said two. No. Benjamin was next to nothing. He's like, okay, 1.01. Benjamin, very few in number. Why? He wouldn't leave strange women alone. And God didn't say anything. Correct yourself. That's what I'm saying. What am I explaining? Listen to me. Murmuring kills. If you murmur in ignorance, we will not be blessed. In his bless, in his kindness, he may suspend judgment. But he demands we repent and stop murmuring. Let me tell you how to stop murmuring. A practical tip for stopping murmuring is simple. Just start looking for the things you can be happy over and ignore the ones you can't actively thank God for. You will get to that one later because spiritual development will let you know all things work together for good. But if you, oh, later I want to teach on to love the Lord. If you know people who love God. Ah, it was Pastor Craig that first pointed that thing out to us once. He was preaching. That God has something special for those who love him. So when you love God, if your car jams, it will work out for good. If you, if you lose a loved one, it will work out for good. I've given extremes of things that should be painful. If you lose money, it has worked out for good already. People are getting a job, you didn't get it. It is working out for good. If you truly love God, everything is working out for good. But let's say, I'm talking about practice in faith. Start with just focusing on the things that you have. Once in the house, I asked the children, everybody name some things you don't have that you like to have. Of course, no young people, what would they want? It's more of a tab, PS5, thank you, you know, strange things, which I, I swore I won't buy. <laughs> I couldn't understand the difference between PS5 and PS4. They've left the idea anyway. <laughs> so they want PS5. You know, they, I, I, each person count. The after a while, we're doing an exercise in the house, you know. We're studying the scriptures. I said, let's start counting the things you have. But he didn't realize it. I, I, I did the counting for them. You have brothers. You have a father. You don't think about it. You have a mother. You have a house, you go to school, you have shoes, you have singlets, you have socks, 
you, you, you even have a PS something. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's just that it's four. It's not yet five. Was that I counting? I counted, you know, when we began to count the things they had, it was excessive. If, if you knew how to count it. That's why the song goes, count your blessings, name them one by one. And what? It will surprise you what the Lord has done. I, that day, I made them count. Made them count the bed, the kind of mattress, I'm telling you, that was, that was on the bed. Counted the fact that they go to school, somebody dress them. There's a song we have in the house, very funny song. But what? Should we teach them? One day, I was hungry. So I was saying, is there any food in the house? My little boy is wheat and something else. I just said that, ah, is there any food downstairs? He just said without thinking, he said, downstairs always has food. It wasn't that he just said, downstairs always has food. And I told him that, don't take it for granted. So we have a new song now, and we'll sing it seriously. Downstairs always has food. But what join me? And mommy. <laughs> Downstairs always has food. We thank the Lord. We thank the Lord. Downstairs always has food. We thank the Lord. We created, I'm telling you. <laughs> no, I don't take it for granted though. I don't take it for granted. My son didn't know what he said when he said it. I said, ah, is there anything to eat downstairs? He said, dancers always has food. It dawned on that these boys and this girl don't realize that it's possible for dancers not to have food. And one day, my daughter said something that made me very laugh. We traveled home to go and see my parents. So I was inside the bedroom. She came in. He said, where's mommy? I said, I don't know. All right. She came out. She came back. She left the room, came back. He said, daddy, how come this house does not have hostess? <laughs> my parents, play, that's where I grew up, is a bungalow. They don't know that my daughter has never slept in a house that doesn't have upstairs. And I don't mean upstairs as if you go out to. The house is always a duplex. So that mom is upstairs or mom is downstairs. That's why my son said downstairs always has food because the kitchen and the store, they are downstairs. She was surprised. Like, excuse me, how come this house is It was a question that she asked. That they will sat down. I counted for them so many things to thank God for. That's a practice. But most importantly, our thanksgiving is for what? His promises. Let's begin to thank God. I've spoken at length. I also remember, next time you start prayer here, all thanksgiving. Don't ask God for anything. That is, we're not, that's the one we start praying next time. To continue this, because of time, we'll stop now. But let us rise and begin to give thanks. Let's begin to give thanks. First of all, just, just thank God for, just count, look, downstairs always has food, you know? Thank God for that. Thank God you can move around. Thank God, thank God. You know, if people like to mumble and complain about the country. Hey, God, oh. If God lets you see trouble, if He lets you see trouble and then brings you back, you will learn to give thanks. Give thanks now before you see the trouble. Say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. David said, I'm forgetting none of his benefits. I think you should start from there. That you love the Lord enough to come and sit down here and be hearing the word. You should thank God for it. There are people that the Lord himself deadened their hearts for certain reasons. Say, Lord, thank you for showing me mercy. For making my heart alive to you. Lord, thank you for showing me mercy. 
for making my heart alive to you. Thank you for showing me mercy. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits. Say, Lord, thank you, for you forgive all my sins. It's so important. You know, you, you have sinned. You have sinned. Paul said, of all that I was the chief of all sinners, yet God showed him mercy. Same thing for you. Same thing for you. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Forget none of his benefits. Do not forget his benefits. He pardons all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction, from the pit of death. And crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. He satisfies your mouth with good things. Your days, your years with good things. Your youth is being renewed. Give the Lord thanks. He performs righteous deeds for you. Thank you for his promises. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He said, I will be your shepherd. You shall not want. Thank, look, let's not even count what we have seen now. Let's thank God for his promises. He said, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall prosper. Every mouth that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. He said, this is the heritage. Is the heritage. Is the promise he has given to the servants of God. Said there are righteousnesses of me. That is, I have forgiven your sins. I'm not saying you never did anything wrong, but I have forgiven your sins. Therefore, Boko Haram will not get you. Kidnappers will not get you. No weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. No weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. Like Jehoshaphat, give thanks before you even see the victory. Because of the promise. Give thanks before you see the victory. Give thanks because of the promise. Give thanks before you see the victory. Give thanks because of the promise. Give thanks that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Give thanks that all things have passed away in your life. I want you to start giving thanks for sins that passed away. For how God renewed your flesh. He removed corruption of flesh from you. Listen, there are people, you will have been HIV positive, but he said no. He killed the virus before you were tested. I remember one girl, I saw her picture, her, her story in Kenya. She said she thought HIV was just for bad girls. She was never a bad girl. Had only one boyfriend, she got HIV. <laughs> Thank God for mercy. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for mercy. You don't know the number of times snake actually beat you. But you never found out. But God killed the pain, removed the venom, and you kept on walking like nothing happened. He has been good to you. He has supplied your needs. He has been good to you. He has supplied your needs. He has redeemed your soul. Give thanks. Stop focusing on the negative things. Take a moment and repent of murmuring. I want us to repent of murmuring. Remember, people always murmur against somebody. They won't mention God directly. What did they murmur? Who did they murmur against? It's EEDC, the power company. It's President Muhammad Buhari. It's Governor Ugwain. Those are the people they murmur against. They murmur against people they can see. But God said they are murmuring against me. 
You've murmured against him. Begin to say, Lord, I'm sorry. You murmured against your father, but it's God. You murmured against your wife. It's God you're murmuring against. You murmured against your husband. You murmured against your children. You murmured against your parents. Just ask God for forgiveness. He's very kind. He will forgive. The consequences will not come to you. Confess those sins. Confess those sins. He will forgive you. He will. He will. He's a merciful God. Jesus actually died so that you can be easily forgiven. Give thanks because he is good. Give thanks for his good. Give thanks for he has forgiven you. Give thanks. We're back to thanksgiving. Give thanks for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the king of kings. For his mercy endures forever. Give the Lord thanks. Let us give thanks. No more murmuring in our lives. We are not murmuring ever again. We are not of them that murmur. Give the Lord thanks. Give the Lord thanks. To the King of kings and the Lord of lords be thanks and glory and thanksgiving forever. Worship. I want somebody to take a moment this evening and thank God for healing. All kinds of healings. Thank God for healing of the soul, of mental disturbance, for cancer that's dead. Thank God because that womb is open and is bearing children. Thank God for that. I want you to thank God for I feel like take a minute, thank God. He said he's the Lord that makes barren women dwell in the house as joyful mothers of children. That's his name. It's the name he calls himself. It's the name you should call him every day. The Lord that makes barren women dwell in the house as joyful mothers of children. That is his name. Call him that name. Call him that name. Thank him for all kinds of healings. For cancer in the bone that's dead. For cancer in the breast that's dead. For cancer in the liver that's healed. For cancer in the kidneys that's healed. For cancer in the prostate that is healed. For tumors of, the doctors don't even know, it's healed. For COVID-19 that's been banished, give thanks. Give thanks to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, give thanks. Give him thanks, give him thanks. Thanksgiving is what unlocks it. Everybody open to Psalm 136, let's just read that briefly and then we'll close. Psalm 136. I will read verse 1. You read verse 2. Which version do we read? There's one we, we are going to read it like we say in the Catholic Church, responsorial psalm, you know? Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a very beautiful word to pray. You know, Pentecostals don't do it. We like too much cacophony. You know, Pentecostals like confusion. Although those people, they, they have a bit of order to their prayer, which we think is not spiritual. It's actually spiritual. If you know how to use it, it's very spiritual. When the Bible said that they lifted their voices to pray, not the way we used to do it, where we do our own. The way they did their own was very different. Most times people said amen or repeated the prayer. The Lord is good. Alright, now let's, I want us to use, um, which version do we use for the response? Let, let me read the first two verses in mind then, um, let me just choose one. Well, okay, no, is the second line you will be re- 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 responding with? It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Then the next line says, for his loving kindness is everlasting. I think, let's use King James. I think that one is, um, it, it, it rhymes better, doesn't it? Yeah, that one is good, right? Yeah. For his mercy endures forever. That's New King James, right? Yeah, let's use that one. Are we ready?
Uh, the Lord is good. So let's just, let's, we'll do for his mercy endures forever. So we use, alright. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. To him who made the heavens with skill. Give thanks to him who spread out the earth above the waters. Give thanks to him who made the great lights. The sun to rule by day. Give thanks to him who made the moon and the stars to rule by night. To him who forgives your sins. Give thanks to him who remembers you in your low estate. And rescues you from your adversaries. Give thanks to him who gives food to all flesh. Give thanks to the God of heaven. I jump to 23 and down, all right? Just to quickly get to the end of it. Now, can you just take a moment and give the Lord thanks again? I say, Lord, thank you, especially for the instruction that I've received today. Thanksgiving, the key to releasing the provisions of the Lord.